Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. So firstly, I want to really thank my new patrons. So just a few names from the patrons that signed up during the week. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Ashling, Thank you, Maeve. And thank you, Ava. I really, really appreciate your support. Um, it goes such a long way in keeping the podcast up and running. So this week, I want to chat about a, a brand. So as you know, I'm supporting SMEs as much as I can. And this week, I'm talking about Mama's Booby Box. So thinking about breastfeeding and wondering what you need, Mama's Booby Box is a breastfeeding gifts and products business. From breast pumps to nipple cream, they have you covered. Treat yourself to their original gift box, which has been described by mums as a perfect starter kit, including washable breast pads, a breastfeeding cover, lactation tea, nipple shields, nipple cream, milk collection bags and also milk collection cups. Beautifully coloured, their booby boxes can also be reused as baby keepsakes boxes which I think is a really good idea. Being a breastfeeding mum herself, owner... Petrina knows just how hard it can be so she wanted to include all the products that she needed in one kit to help her on a breastfeeding journey. Feel empowered and supported with on your breastfeeding journey with Mama's Booby Box as they share a range of support and advice throughout their social channels too which I will link on the show notes. And Petrina has also kindly offered a 10% discount to all of the listeners with the code IBS22. So enjoy and thank you, Petrina, and best of luck. This week, I am sharing my chat with Jill, who talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little girl, Charlotte. So Jill talks me through conception. She really had to keep an eye on her on tracking her ovulation the stick the ovulation sticks weren't quite weren't working for her basically and um, so she talks us through falling pregnant and um, she really prepared as much as she could and she remained physical and active throughout her whole pregnancy and I think there's a really important part of her conversation where she talks about going over and how much it impacted her um Obviously, you're giving an estimated due date, but she really 
felt like she just wanted to meet her baby. She felt a longing to meet her baby and it really started to have an effect on her. So they did schedule an induction date. But as she felt herself that if she was given an induction date, that baby would would come all by themselves. She talks me through her birth experience, which is a really, really nice listen, actually. So enjoy and thank you for tuning in this week. I'm thinking of everybody and I'm hoping this episode is a little bit of a distraction even for for the hour um i know i'm finding it hard to focus on anything so enjoy and i will chat to you all next week with another episode so jill you are very welcome to the ireland's birth stories podcast i'm looking forward to our chat this evening i know you felt really empowered after charlotte's birth thank you yeah i just definitely owe this podcast a lot I think to my positive experience and just getting my head around childbirth in general. Um, so definitely delighted to be on. Yes, yeah, so um, my name is Jill. I've been with my husband for 10 years and um, we've been married for three. And our little baby is nearly eight months old. So yeah, just one child for now. And um, yeah, we had her in June. So will we talk about conception? Yes, yes. So we got married and we were living in the States at the time and we were living in Boston, working and living there for two years. And we decided to come back kind of the two years was coming to an end. So we came back September 2019, just before COVID. And we definitely wanted to start a family soon enough, but we wanted to just get back, back settled into work, into Dublin life. And we were renting. And um, so that was all good. We had a nice six months and then... COVID came. So 2020, we had been planning to do kind of one last hurrah, a big trip. So we wanted to go to South Africa in November 2020. And then obviously COVID kicked off in March. But like all of us, I was like, oh, six week lockdown, we can still do that trip later this year. Yeah. Um, and then I think spring came and we realized like COVID was going to bounce from Southern to Northern Hemisphere back and forth. So we said like, we're just not going to get that trip done. We'll do it in like 15 years. It's fine. So at that stage, we decided we'd start trying. And um, because yeah, we wanted to have babies. We both had a niece and a nephew each. And yeah, we were, we just really wanted to have kids. So um, I think it was around the end of May that we started trying. Um, and that was all fine. <laughs> the first month we really went for it. And um it was only after that we looked at we looked at it and we were like, oh, actually, I think you have to try and shoot for the window before your ovulation. It's more fertile, et cetera. So we were like the first first month while we tried loads, it probably was the wrong time. Okay. And so the second month we tried, decided to totally flip it and try go for. So just to be specific about my cycle, it's, I suppose this is kind of a point that I, I wouldn't mind making. Mm-hmm. I had like a bog standard 28 day cycle. Um, but as you'll find out, I don't think I ovulate on day like 14, for example. And um, so the next couple of months went by and we were really thinking 14 must be when I ovulate without kind of looking into it anymore. We would just kind of aim for that and try for kind of the good few days before, maybe up to day 14 and then leave it for another month. So by the fourth month, I was a little like impatient with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's not that I didn't think, I think anyone who's trying to have a baby where it doesn't just happen instantly, if you were told like 
by the end of this year, you'll be pregnant. You'd be able to relax about it, but it's because though what's ahead of you ultimately, you don't know if you're going to have loads of issues and have to get lots of help and et cetera. So yeah. So then the fourth month I was like, let's try all these other things. So I ordered um, a thermometer to check my like temperatures and I got those, did that digital clear blue ovulation kit and I was also Googling like a maniac, which isn't a good thing. And particularly when you're working from home and no one can see your screen, you're like, you know, I was kind of looking into it and I was like, am I actually ovulating even though I have a regular period? Like I was beginning to kind of freak myself out a little bit. So the fourth month we got that super digital test, which I do not advocate, but um, just because of the experience I had. So I think when you get that, it's, it uses a 28 day cycle as a complete like example on the box. So it says, um, start taking the test on day eight and you'll get a baseline. And then you'll get when your fertility is going up, you'll get like high fertility, which is a, a flashing smiley. And then a solid smiley when basically your hormone has gone up and it indi- indicates you've had um, an ovulation or, you know, the, the particular, I think it's luteinizing hormone or something. So yeah, started on day eight doing that. And like, <laughs> even just peeing on the stick was so stressful for me. Like I drink so much water anyway. So I would pee a couple of times in the middle of the night. So I was, I was having to weigh this up before in the morning being like, is this my first morning urine or will I wait till 7am when I'm actually, is this good? Like, so anyway, day eight came, day nine, day 10. And I just had that smiley or like whatever one that said it was like high but not peak fertility okay so we did that until day 18 and like nothing happened and I was like then we were you know I was googling it and they were it tells you that you you know you should do the test for three three months and then go to a doctor if you still don't get their idea of the the high or peak fertility but me and my husband were discussing it and we were like maybe I did have a surge in hormones but it was just at the other end of the day we just didn't know we still did our best that month in terms of trying but um I just wasn't that hopeful but funnily enough the day after that I was still doing the thermometers then as well I saw and I was like checking other things like natural methods and I was like okay actually this could be ovulation on day 19 and this was the month I actually got pregnant which so it's just a weird one I think I have a really short second stage of my cycle. And I suppose that's just one little thing for people to look out for. I think if you're, if you're very fit as well, not that I'm really fit, but I had periods where I wouldn't have a period when I lived in Boston and stuff because I was overly active, to be Mm. frank. And I think sometimes that can split your menstrual cycle a little bit skewed, if that makes sense. So yeah, my ovulation happened on day like 19 or 20 of a 28 day cycle which is really strange I used a thermometer as well and I saw a spike because I couldn't I didn't use the ovulation sticks because I had heard mm-hmm. funny things about them but I started tracking it like I, I could just see like some mucus and all that myself but when yeah. I I took my temperature it was really obvious um to me then yeah. when I ovulated yeah I forgot to mention yeah. This before. yeah so I mean now like I don't know it'll be interesting I obviously want to have more kids but like if I do that, like, was that just because I'd stressed myself out so much that particular mm. month that I ovulated late? Or do I actually ovulate 
at the very back end of a cycle, you're like, anyway, thank God I ovulated and it, it worked. But um, so yeah, that then obviously that happened. And we went away, I remember the following week or a week later. So I think I conceived around a weekend, say a Friday or Saturday. That was in my head the day that I'd noticed that. And that was probably the latest I could have possibly conceived, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then we went away the following Monday and I was really kind of achy painy. We went to Westport on a staycation and didn't help that we'd cycled 65 kilometers in the rain on that greenway. But like that night in the hotel, I was feeling like loads of pains, like little kind of prickles in my like lower abdomen, kind of in my low back. And I was like, this is a bit weird. That's whatever. And then we climbed Crow Patrick and we said a little prayer at the top that we wanted to, you know, have a baby this year. Um, and then the following weekend, I was doing my period and it just never came. And I was like, I've probably gone and scared the thing off because I was so stressed with the walls, Googling and thinking I'm ovulating. And one of those kind of ones, I was like, this is really annoying now because everything had been pretty regular for me for ages. Um, but I didn't take a test until maybe the middle of the week. So day like four or five. And it didn't like come up very clear to me, but like I got on Google again, like found some random blog and they were basically saying that if there's any kind of line, like even very faint and you get into all the acronyms for people like TTC. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling my husband this and he'd laugh and be like, you're obsessing on those blogs. And I was like, I know, but like apparently this actually put me in I'm pregnant. So I did that on the Wednesday and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave it now until the weekend, try and be really patient. So then when I did it again on the weekend, it was, it was a clear line. So it was actually, yeah, a full week of kind of my period still hadn't come. So I was like, okay, I think I'm pregnant. Um, and then when you find out you are pregnant, it doesn't feel kind of real. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, it wasn't like I was jumping for joy. I was very tentative. I was like, you know, is it, is it really happening? And and then I definitely spiraled into like every ache and pain. Being like, oh my God, something's mm. not right with this. So I did book for an early private scan. Um, and the dates I did, I, I tried to give myself like optimal opportunity of seeing like a heartbeat. So I, I calculated it to be, seven and a half weeks and I went to the Marion Fetal Clinic and yeah I was very very nervous and the nausea was beginning to kind of kick in as well I just told my mom and my sister and and my husband was kind of like let's not tell anyone until we get that early seven week scan but like he instantly kind of knew by me that I needed to tell someone and that he couldn't reassure me as much as say that my mom and my sister as Mm -hmm. well as so I told them and that was really, really nice. Told them on the beach in Kalini where my mom lives and we had a swim and I could tell my mom, my sister was kind of looking at me because I was a bit bloated and my boobs were a bit big. It's only like six weeks. And uh, yeah, when I told her then she was like, not that I was thinking that, but like kind of makes sense now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, um, obs- very observant. So yeah, it's funny, but yeah, it was really, really nice. So then we had like once I told them I had to wait maybe a week and a half for that scan. So everyone was crossing everything. My husband wasn't allowed in, which was fine. Um, but I was really petrified and straight away there was a heartbeat. So it was it was great. But they did 
redate me. So okay. that kind of speaks to the late ovulation. So where I thought I was like seven, five, I was like six, five and um, six weeks and five days. So <laughs> that's all well and good. But in the first trimester, when you're just counting down to the happy 12 week or, you know, and it, that doesn't even guarantee anything. Um, at all but like in your head it, it's a big milestone and you're like what I'm back to six and a half weeks <laughs> so it's funny but um so then I just started researching and I was pretty as you can tell from all this I was definitely like anxious I suppose so I wanted to go private not because I thought that I needed that necessarily like I'm young and healthy but I just I kind of just thought okay hands-on with someone I can kind of pick you know, I want I want a female who preferably has had babies themselves, just someone relatable to me. And um, so I just went onto the website and I tried a couple of the female consultant secretaries and I got um I got one. I got Jenny Walsh, who was literally like an angel through and through. Like, I'm so happy I had her. So, yeah, I had that booked in then to go when I was 11 and a half weeks and yeah, the 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 care was just really, really good start to finish. Um, it was really nice as well because it was kind of like the one thing you had every week or towards the end anyway would be like my trip to Hollis Street, even though I had to go in on my own. But my husband would always walk me up because we lived a kilometre away, um, which was really handy. So it was like my little outing on Tuesday afternoons going up to see to see her. So that was always very good. And it was... Um, a very smooth pregnancy um definitely a little nauseous for I'd say the probably six to 11 weeks would be the worst and um, a lot of food aversions which was kind of tough um a few afternoons with like leucosade on the couch just to kind of almost settle my stomach so I could consider what stodge I'd eat for dinner <laughs> um but one thing actually was always really good I was always able to have like a nice healthy fruity smoothie in the morning and that kind of like set me up and then whatever else happened was like, doesn't matter. Just eat what you can eat for those few weeks. And luckily, I think you kind of get your appetite back as it goes on. Um, but throughout, I was really active as well. So I teach yoga as a part-time kind of side gig. So I taught yoga up to 28 weeks. And I did a lot of prenatal workouts, lots of walking, a little bit of jogging. So I definitely like embraced being pregnant for the most part and wanted to keep up my own kind of routines as much as I could as well and um, and lots of kind of lockdown self-care where I'd just be like I'm going for a bath for two hours on Sunday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with all the hair masks and yeah so it was it was um it was a nice time and it is it is funny the the pregnancy because you don't tell loads of people for the first like third of it or whatever and um, it's always very kind of contradictory like it's slow in parts and then it races by it's yeah it's a a kind of void of time I think particularly Mm -hmm. on first baby because it's so consuming and I found it so consuming and particularly with the world kind of on standstill it was like you know my absolute thoughts through the day like all the time so yeah it was it was nice I didn't know what I was having and so that was (laughs) a blessing and a curse I would say if my husband wanted to know, I could have been easily swayed. But equally, none of our side of the family, like all my cousins, all of his family, no one has ever found out, which is kind of rare in these times. Um, 
same so, actually on, a, on in my family none of my siblings found out about their kids and I think it's the same on the other side I think it's the only surprise that you can genuinely have yeah I know and a lot of people because what ended up happening was the very end of my pregnancy or like beginning from the beginning of third trimester onwards a lot of my friends started saying they were pregnant they'd be like you know 12 weeks and whatever and so many of them already knew the gender and it was kind of at that stage where I was like oh my god it's killing me that I don't know yeah and and my husband was just like men are just they're like either I think men are either really impatient they want to know straight away or like my husband was just like no like let's just like I, I don't know but it was as time went by so that's I suppose where the pregnancy got a little bit harder and um, because I went fully overdue that was when I was like alienated I was like this little baby won't come out and what is it and it's fermenting me and oh my god yeah so but it genuinely is the best surprise like I, I definitely wouldn't find out now that I've mm. yeah gone through and known the rewards of that yeah, yeah yeah no I love it so let's talk about uh preparation what preparation like did you read any books listen to uh gentle birth or anything like that so obviously this podcast was a huge one and um, and I did buy the positive birth company and um, book on my kindle so that is kind of like gentle birth but I think it's English I don't know why I just happened to like hear about it from someone or read about it so I got that book and that was really good there's a lot of exercises in the back and also an app called Freya goes with that Mm -hmm. book so that was my like contraction app and like I suppose um pregnancy meditations and everything so I really did try and lock into that like on my Sunday baths I'd be like listening to that a lot and I try and rope my husband in to do a few of those kind of like gentle massages and things like definitely tried to get into that and yeah practice the breathing the up and down breathing completely yeah so that was definitely a resource and I did really find that helpful particularly when I was at home laboring and then I also have to give a shout out because she's so amazing I in the yoga studio I work in we had a prenatal course through my third trimester so I would just like hop onto zoom and with the amazing Lucy Bloom she does do pregnancy courses. I'm just putting this out there because she's so amazing. And um, she does monthly. So she does four week courses for people and they come up every month for anyone who is pregnant. She always has one. And um, but at the time it was through my studio as well, which was even better. And that would be like an hour, an hour and a half on Thursdays. And it was just amazing. We'd go around the house and all chat through how our week had gone, how far along we were anything that was kind of like bothering us, you know, aches and pains. And you could really share um, tips and stuff on that. And then we do a really nice kind of feminine kind of flow, lots of goddess and strong kind of um, related poses you can do. And she'd always finish with yoga nidra, which is so amazing in pregnancy, FYI, anyone who struggles to sleep. Um, It's basically like a sleep meditation and you do like a full body scan and she would really kind of wrap into it you know the baby in your room and everything and I just find it was amazing like it would actually take me kind of out of my body and like looking at myself in that space and like mm. yeah I just loved it so yoga nidra 
is amazing for pregnancy, I think. And you can get that on YouTube. There's a good few like on there because I started obviously looking for more. And Lucy Bloom does amazing prenatal. So that was preparation for sure. Had you started, did you start researching your preferences? So labor and birth preferences? Yes. And I did do a workshop as well with Lucy um, where she kind of goes through everything. But obviously I I had a lot of insights from listening to the podcast and from just my intrigue on births. Like I really got when I when I got pregnant, one of the reasons I decided to go private was that in my head I was like, I mightn't be able to get my head around and not a natural, but a vaginal birth, like I might need a planned C-section. And I didn't even know if that was possible, but I was like, it won't be possible on the public scheme. Like if my head can't get wrapped around this, because I was squeamish at like smear tests, <laughs> you know? That and so I was like, if I can't get my head around this, then like mentally, um, then I, I kind of feel like I need someone to handhold what my options are. But luckily, and the hormones do kick in and I definitely began to embrace it and just got more curious and I like the good the bad the in-between and wanted to talk to all my aunts and my mom about the details of the births that they'd had and yeah so but I, I had preferences so my preference I think was do as much as you can naturally but epidural was I definitely wasn't squeamish about getting that. I thought, okay, if that makes me, you know, able to kind of get through the pain, then I'll take that. Don't know why I didn't really like the sound of pethidine and uh, pethidine or whatever. I just thought oh, it might make me feel sick or like a bit out of it. And um, I liked the sound of gas and air. So yeah, I was kind of like, you never know how sore labor is going to be. So <laughs> um, I was like, obviously it's doable. I knew it was possible, but you just don't know how long you're going to be in that situation. So, yeah, that was my preference. And obviously I was a bit, I kind of thought I probably need an episiotomy just in my head because that's just been like all my family had kind of had one or like my mom, my mom and her sisters. And um, but that kind of freaked me out the sound of it. And uh, but then I was like, oh, if it gets the baby out, it's fine. And um, I had a bit of a, I suppose I didn't necessarily wanted to end in an emergency c-section or an assisted birth but ultimately at the end of it you just want to have your baby like as safe as possible and by the very end of it I was like yeah I'll take any birth I just want my baby um but yeah so that was kind of my preference epidural if and little else yeah yeah and what did the last month look like then you said you were you're getting fed up and then you went over so what, what was the last month like yeah, so it was, it was kind of tough. I work in finance and um, obviously I was working from home through the pregnancy before, you know, since March 2020. So we get really busy in spring and my end date in work was mid-May because my due date was end of May. And that end of May date was was taking into account the like the new dates, if that makes sense as well. So mm-hmm. Um, in my head, I was like, I'll definitely have the baby in May because if I do the basic maths, it's due like 23rd of May. I was Then I had the 28th being the date that they saw on the scan and the size of the baby. And I was like, and then there's another three days in May, like I'll have the baby in May. <laughs> so I was finishing work in the middle of May. And um, up to that last month in work was absolutely brutal. I was like, everything had been delayed through April everything came in at once. I was working 
you know, I was working 10 hours on weekends for the last couple of weeks. And it was one of those where I hadn't actually handed anything off and people were like, get signed off. My consultant was was willing to sign me off because I was, you know, chronically stressed and Mm. 36 weeks pregnant at this stage. And my mom had 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 both of us early as well. So that was kind of like in my head panicking over like stupid numbers at at your desk. They're like, this isn't worth my baby. But it was one of those where I actually just had to get the stuff done and I hadn't got anyone else involved in it, which was my own fault. I now know if I'm heavily managing a project um, when I'm pregnant, like I need to have other people up to speed on it because I actually just had to finish it. So anyway. And that's hard actually because a lot of people would be in that position and everyone's saying to them, like their doctors and consultants just get signed off. But it's not just as simple as that for a lot of people. No, because I was just thinking about the people I work with who I respect, who I would have screwed over. Um, So, and clients you've been working with for nine months and it just so happens, it's just the thing's gone off the rails. So Mm. I got through a deadline and then I had to just say, I had to basically just stand up and be like, I'm nine months pregnant. I have two more weeks, but I'm not working past, like I'm working nine to five and I will do as many handovers and get the rest of this kind of back on track before I go. So that was, and they were all like, they, they were all so good to me then. I mean, obviously they, the realization that like, I was just putting on a show, I suppose. And then saying, well, I can't do it all on my own, but I definitely think that there's something to being really stressed in your third trimester. It can actually delay a baby. And um, because I kind of, the growth of Charlotte definitely slowed down like the because I at this stage I was going to see my consultant every week and she wasn't really jumping the half a pound or a quarter of a pound she was kind of sticking quite light at that from 36 kind of on so I think that she just wasn't big she wasn't ready (laughs) because of all that maybe to come out on time so and at that stage I also you know I was harvesting colostrum I'd noticed colostrum in my pajamas and stuff from probably 30 weeks pregnant so I thought they were gonna go on time (laughs) and so at this stage yeah I was the freezer was absolutely jam-packed of colostrum and because my sister had had a baby who was in NICU for a couple of nights and I knew the colostrum had been like so helpful in that situation and so I was doing all that stuff and yeah like I when I finished work the world reopened I was able to go to Dundrum and actually pick stuff from my hospital bag, which was such a novelty after being complete. Like we were only open. The country was only open for like the two weeks at Christmas during my whole pregnancy until the very end. And so that was really nice. The first week, like 39 weeks, say pregnant, I just had loads of little errands I wanted to do. And I was totally busy with that. And then the week I was due, I was doing acupuncture and, I was like, okay, I was giving everything to try to have this baby on time. And we luckily went sale agreed on a house, which we'd been looking for the entire pregnancy as well. So that was one thing that was great that week. Um, So much going on. (laughs) There's a lot going on. And at this stage, probably at 39 weeks, um, I started just getting a lot of period type pains. Like my sleep was like really bad. Um, I'd have heavy, heavy pains and a lot of kind of sciatica because they was very low at night. And um, 
as in the massive big pregnancy pillow obviously and yeah you know everything was I was telling my husband like no more beers now in case you have to drive me up the road and it was just yeah it was getting to that stage where I really thought it was going to be soon 100% um, and all my friends had like predictions of when I'd have a baby because I was kind of the first of my best friend group to be pregnant and of course all those days started coming and going and then came all the texts of you know people can be really untactile as well like once my kind of due date came I was very emotional and you know you'd get texts being like well what's the story like and I'd be like it's not a bloody takeaway order like it's a baby I don't know like I'm still I'd tell you if I'd had to tell you yeah (laughs) I kind of lost it with a couple of them, to be honest, because it was just, um, it started, it started so early. It started kind of as soon as I finished work. So it was two weeks before due date, due date came, due date came and went. And yeah, it was just every time my mom would ring me, like she was fretting as well. Like, so I try and be positive and like make little to-do lists, like look up stuff for the new house that we were going to get and Mm. um, busy myself. My husband was still working obviously because in our place you just work until the end and then your paternity leave starts so he was working and like we work in the same firm so everyone be asking him any news on the baby like they know me as well and stuff so it was just it was really bad it was really emotional and you know people some people were really sensitive to it like my sister was like I think it'll be this weekend and but we literally, like in my head, I'd always said, okay, even if the baby's late, by the gene bank holiday, I will be sipping rosé, baby will be in my arms. And then the gene bank holiday came and she was like 10 days over and <laughs> no baby. And I said, yeah, can you pour me a glass of rosé? Because <laughs> at this stage, um, at this stage, it's not going to change anything. So I suppose it was kind of, yeah, it was nice in the end. That, that final weekend was a long weekend. My husband had kind of done all his handovers. He'd been doing them for a good two weeks or be, or more. Um, and I was going in to see my consultant on the Tuesday. And sorry, so the 41-week appointment came and I was, I was, I think I was more upset at that one. I was a full week over or like just under a week. Let's call it five days, just the way the appointments were. And she saw me, my, my consultant, and she was like, she wanted to just hug me I think she was like are you really disappointed I was like yeah like everyone's asking I'm like oh <laughs> I mean yeah. I keep thinking this is it like mm. because I suppose you don't know the one thing with all the cramps I was having um and I did have a bit of kind of spotting around then as well which I thought was the beginning of a show but like nothing happened then for another five days or whatever so that was a full start of something but you don't know really what a contraction is until you actually have them. So you think you're having them or whatever. But it was definitely just so much pressure and like kind of period type pains for, I would honestly say the two weeks, and if not a bit more. So I was just exhausted. And yeah, she wanted to, <laughs> my consultant wanted to give me a big old hug. And then I was like, just check me, like see if anything's going on. And she was like, you're fully a face. So she checked me which I was happy about because, as I said, I had to kind of get over everything one at a time. I wasn't like hugely comfortable with any of that sort of stuff. So it was great that it was her because I was so comfortable with her having built the rapport with her. So Mm. she was like, you're fully effaced, but 
I'm, I can't do a sleep because you haven't started dilating. And I was like, a week overdue, no dilation. So I was pretty un, yeah, I was pretty unhappy with that, obviously. And she was like, it's 50-50 chance that you're going to be coming back to me in another week. And I'm like, oh my God, that's literally nearly the full two weeks over. So the whole next week went through. So, so then we're on to the Tuesday after the bank holiday. And I had to almost laugh walking back in. I was like, I'm still here. So anyway, she checked me again and I had dilated a small bit. So she was able to give me a sweep and she was like, I'm very optimistic you'll be into me like tonight. So then that gave me such a lift, obviously. But I was literally at this stage 41 and four. And so, yeah, and the baby hadn't grown in the whole last two weeks. Sure, it was it was just kind of static at seven pounds per her for her like guesstimate on the sc- on the scans and stuff so and um, yeah I just hopped home like chirpy and I was like hopefully it will be tonight now had a big curry curry was the one thing I hadn't actually done in the last three weeks ironically done everything else anything else you google and um, hadn't worked but yeah so then me and my husband just went for a nice little walk bouncing on my ball as I had been for weeks and got into bed he started dozing off and I was like oh this is something different about these pains Mm -hmm. and yeah it was just that it was just more intense and more like a wave coming and going so at first obviously I was like doubting myself (laughs) sorry in the meantime on the at the appointment I was given an induction date because I was literally 41 plus four so I we have to give we have to give the baby a deadline um so I was like, I think she didn't want to do it on a weekend. I don't know. We Anyway, we landed on the Thursday, but they were really busy. Um, the inductions, like I basically had to get slotted in. And I kind of knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that if the baby was given a deadline, it would come on its own. It was, it was annoying in that sense. I was like, had I got it? Had I got an induction last week, the baby probably would have come a week ago, you know? Yes. It was that kind of... Murphy's law type thing. So, um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. At that induction date, but I was, I was, I really was like, I have waited the, the full two weeks. If I have to get induced as well, it was just going to be not my favorite scenario, but it would have been fine because at that stage, as I say, anything would have been fine. Just wanted my baby. Um, but yeah, so I, I was happy when, when I felt the, the beginnings of it that night in bed and um, through, it's just a funny thing because it'll always remind me of it, but through the, the entire wait for for Charlotte my favorite song to listen to was um Mary Black Only a Woman's Heart it actually felt like my heart is low like I was so it was like a it was like a like a missing of the baby who had never met it was it was just going on so long and yeah I just was I can't tell you how much I wanted to have my baby like it was torture and it's funny because I listened to a couple of your podcasts since where other hospitals offer a you know a planned induction at 39 weeks and I thought you know if if inductions well they're they're trying to decipher whether inductions are more successful when it's not at the bitter end Um, and it is an interesting concept and I think it was Justine King who was on your podcast who said that she Mm -hmm year of going way over and I had I had my baby when I listened to the podcast and I was like yeah like it really was I know it's not like the worst thing that can happen at all like I know it's definitely not but it really was emotionally horrible like waiting until the bitter end and and everyone around you kind of constantly worrying or asking you um yeah (laughs) and there is a funny because I remember with Eva I had Oliver at 38 and 2 I had Eva at 39 and five, but I remember saying to my midwife, like, am, am I actually going to have a baby? Like you get to a stage where you think that you're just never going to meet the baby. And she's like, I promise you, you're going to meet your baby, but you nearly can't believe it because it's just, even though I was only 39 and five, but she was like, felt like she was hanging between my legs <laughs> for like a week. So I just, it's, I know I, I, I can relate to that. You just feel like it's never going to end. Totally, totally. It actually the more it went on, the more it felt like it was just this elusive, like fake thing in my bed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Just, like, um, and like we, me and my husband, like we'd go through phases of laughing about it. But then I would like, the days felt so long, like, and, you know, you'd have your kind of laugh and we'd be like, oh, we're going to grind this baby or this baby will have to wait pa- patiently to do everything because they made us wait, um, you know, the, till the bitter end or whatever. But then you'd, yeah, you'd laugh about it and then you'd cry about it in the same kind of hour. And that's how kind of torturous the time was. And it got really hot as well. So it was very like sticky and hot. And yeah, I was just kind of, the sea swims really helped actually. Those last like 
the few days in June. Um, yeah, so that was kind of one saviour in the waiting game. But sorry. Yeah, so just so sorry, but we're talking about those first waves. So did you feel excitement? Did you go back to sleep or, or what happened? So I, yeah, I couldn't sleep. I So at around 11, as I said, they kind of kicked off and I was just kind of sussing it out. I was like, is this it? Because this has been happening every night when I try to go to bed. I've been having pains. These definitely feel different. So it took an hour for me to start kind of saying, okay, they're coming and they're going. And obviously they're very irregular at first. So at around midnight, I think I started using the app then and clicking away when, when I had one. So I did that until... I mean, I did that all night, but I think my husband stirred at around two and he like noticed I was awake and I had the like phone app on or whatever. And I was breathing really deeply doing my breath and lying in my pregnancy pillow with my like legs, like on my side, but with the pillow in between my legs to try and keep my pelvis open while also resting, knowing it could be a long haul. And so he was like, he kind of just stirred and he was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, I think this is it. Go straight back to sleep though. You need to conserve your energy. Um, so that was at around I'd say one or two. And at this stage, I went and heated up a like a heat pack in the microwave for my back and stuff because I was and my like you know how if you have really bad period pains, I would always use a heat pack. So I got that. That was the only thing I kind of took or like did, and I was doing my breathing. And at around I think four, I checked the app and it. They were consistently, I'm going to say, every six minutes and every, they were probably like 30 to 45 seconds. So I was like, okay, I'm going the right direction, but they've been like this for ages. So I think I need to get up and mobilize. So I left the bedroom, went into the sitting room, like put on my candles and my probably, probably Mary Black (laughs) and and got on my ball. And it was funny, even just walking to the microwave to get like, to do the heat pack every so often, like standing up, like it would buckle me. They'd get so much sore than lying down. So I kind of need to stand up now and let these intensify. And um, so at around, so I was doing that out in the sitting room. And then at around 5, 5.30, my husband got up and he was like, let me see your app. And I kind of explained it to him. And he was like, okay, yeah. So he made me my smoothie, my my go-to smoothie. And um, I got into the bath, but I wanted just the bath, the shower on my like low back because that's where I was really feeling it and kind of in the top of my bum, which is weird. That's the same as what my mom apparently had. Um, but it, it was obviously wrapping around the low belly as well. But I was mm. the first place it would hit would kind of be my back and my low bum, which is weird, or my upper bum. Um, so I wanted to get into the shower have the hot water on my back but then the enamel in the shower or the bath was really sore on my knees so I was like this isn't really helping me but I had my shower anyway and so did my husband and then he rang the hospital and he just said yeah she's been having contractions since 11 last night it's around 6 a.m now so she was like yeah come on in and we were only a kilometer away so I was like grand and I thought in my head I'd done like a decent slog at home having it had been like seven hours and and between the jigs and reels at the last hour, like we ended up taking another hour to like finish the smoothie, like pack the, the final things and separate stuff into a labor bag and an actual hospital bag. So all that kind of was a nice distraction because now it was 7 a.m. and I was fine. So not, not that I was fine. I was kind of 
buckling every time I'd get one and my husband was coming behind me and doing the little pressure points that I taught him um, and that was all kind of nice um, but also yeah not pleasant as well so then um, we walked like even walking to the car just down down the apartment out to the back like kind of had to stop for a contraction and got into the seat it is literally a three minute drive so I was like this will be fine now barely will get a contraction and we're driving up through and I said to my husband where are you gonna park and he just had this like vacant look on his face I was like you've had 43 weeks basically to think about <laughs> so he pulls up and that's grand I think I didn't have a contraction in those three minutes and he gets out to the pay machine and then like just at the pay machine for honestly five minutes at this stage I have two contractions and I open the door like a lunatic and I'm like what What the hell are you doing come on he's like sorry the pay machine isn't really working here and I was like oh my god so anyway finally got paid and hobbled across the road and it's just funny when you arrive like first of all they ask you if you're private or what you are and I was like private instantly this man appears and puts me in a wheelchair and I was like I'm actually like almost preferred to be like standing like hunched over through the contractions but they're really nice they put you straight in my husband was allowed in so he wasn't allowed in initially he was kind of hovering and then by the time the wheelchair was there he was allowed in in fairness and I suppose that's one thing over the COVID he'd been allowed in a 20 week scan that was the only thing um but my consultant assured me like he would be there for most of it you know things were beginning to ease up but the biggest thing was he wouldn't be allowed in unless if I wasn't in active labor he wouldn't be allowed in between two until two o'clock sorry that was it and um, so he was allowed in from two to nine on like as a visitor of the day wards or whatever but this was 7 a.m or half seven but he was allowed in for the assessment anyway so that was grand I didn't have to go in alone so yeah, once we got up to the the labor ward is where you get assessed initially. Um, but it's funny, like you just once I got to the hospital, my my contractions just totally like subsided for a while. It must just be the shock of like the lights and like, oh, this is actually happening. So I wasn't like buckled the way I had been before I left the apartment or even in the car <laughs> when he was staying. And um, so they assessed me. And it was a student midwife and she she just she basically was like, I'm not sure what I have to get someone else to do another one. I was like, no, right. And then I got a COVID test and she dropped the stick and had to do another COVID test as well. So I was just prodded at every Mm. (laughs) at every crevice. It was it was quite funny. But um, anyway, basically basically while the contractions had started the dilation was was probably similar to how it'd been like half centimeter or something so okay so they were like they're really good though in fairness because we got in that was around 8 a.m and they were like you can stay in this room now just stand up mobilize get your contractions going again we'll kind of leave you in peace they kind of were in and out but Mm. they'd done their four proddings and they left me and my husband there for a little while and then they were like, they came back in, I think it was around half nine, which was great because I'd already kind of contractions were back up and running at that stage. Um, and they were feeling pretty intense again. They were like, well, I didn't want them to do another assessment. I was like, that's almost making me like not relax. Let me just do this, like my own thing, breathing through these. Um, 
So they were like, you can go home, but we recommend you just going to the day unit for a little while. And um, it was at this stage, we went downstairs to the like tuck shop and I bought, <laughs> my husband bought me a sausage roll because he was like, you need to eat. Like he kept just trying to feed me because he was like, you know, you need like, it's like a marathon. And I was like, I just don't want to eat, but I ate the sausage roll um, and I had a banana or something or brought the banana up and I had to go to that day ward on my own. So that was a bit crap. But he brought me up my iPad. We met downstairs. He got some things from the car for me. And then he just like drove back to the apartment. And this is at half 10 now. So I was in the day unit. And yeah, like things just got worse and worse in there. I suppose I was in and out of the bathroom, kept thinking I was peeing myself. But I think it was like, I'd say it was a puncture to my waters, if that makes sense. It wasn't like a burst, but like it was kind of a light color brown and I was in and out peeing every I'd say five minutes the pressure was intense and I was at the very end the last curtain I suppose in that unit three and there was just a lot of different staff and they're all great but like no continuity in that sense you know there'd been a shift change and a couple of my student midwives got me more heat packs like those kind of really good ones for muscle aches and stuff so the only thing I was really getting was that they were pressing them on my back a little bit and then they'd have to go off. So I put on Father the Bride 2 on my iPad and I got Ball. And I love that movie because both of them, the mom and the daughter, are pregnant in it. So and that Frank guy's hilarious. So I was kind of just trying to get in a happy zone watching that, but like pausing it all the time. And some messages were going off in WhatsApp, just the usual stupid things that go on in groups like, hmm random updates and I was like I have an update I'm in hospital and everyone was like yay baby's coming I was like I think so I hope so so it was like everyone was waiting for that that moment I suppose and even my parents like I messaged them before we came to the hospital I was I was like I've labored at home for eight hours and I'm heading in there wish me luck and they were all just like phew thank god you know praying that I wouldn't have to go to the two more days um yeah so anyway it was getting it was getting pretty bad I was kind of beginning to cry and stuff a student midwife was with me I was hunched over the bed couldn't eat anything they brought up and just sipping on water and finally my consultant appeared like an angel behind the curtain and it was just like oh I was so happy she was there because I was texting my sister and she was like it's half one when were you last assessed and I was like half eight when they did the one that wasn't sure in the next one and she's like get assessed get assessed I'm sure you're further along now but I was so because of what I'd gone through with waiting for so long I was like is this like phantom labor like am I actually you think you're not even in it because I you know I was made feel like oh you're only half centimeter or if even so I wanted to wait for my consultant and I was glad I did so she assessed me again kind of did another sweep and um she was like yeah I, she was like I'm happy like you're, you're dilating so I'm happy go to the labor like get your epidural and thank god I was able to go to the labor ward at that stage even just getting the gas and air was great <laughs> because I had like nothing bar a heat pack for however long 14 hours and um, so I got the gas and air and that was great and then the epidural went in at around 2 30 so yeah the contractions had started at 11 p.m and I got the epidural at 2 30 so I thought I'd done okay and while they were, once I got the epidural, they broke my waters formally. 
um, because I was a bit apprehensive in doing that before I got the epidural because I knew it would get really far more painful. And um, so, yeah, got the epidural and the waters were broken. And they did tell me that there was meconium in the water, which um, I was kind of, that was one of the main things when you go so far overdue, mm. you know, fret about all the things like the hiccups, whether there's enough fluid, whether there's going to be meconium or complications. So, um, they informed me that once the time came, the pediatrician team would have to kind of run in as soon as I had the baby. Um, but that was all just to make sure everything was okay. So that was fine. I had to get on with it. Um, and so the epidural went in and I would definitely say that it didn't like fully numb me. I definitely had a nice, I would call it a nice amount of pressure because I could actually feel my contractions coming on, but I could like totally bear them if that makes sense one side was a bit less numb than the other my right side and that was kind of where I had been feeling more kind of sciatica type pains and stuff anyway so I don't know if that what what that is but the reason for that is I think it can just be a varying effectiveness to different women and mm-hmm. um, but every half an hour they had to test under my ribs with the ice to see could I feel it and a, f- a couple of hours in I'm hopping around the story now, but a couple hours in, I kind of could feel the ice. And I was like, but I don't want to like, I want to still go on. Like, it's fine. What I'm feeling is fine. So I kind of just said, yeah, it's fine. I can't feel it. But I definitely could feel the ice um, on one side. And um, I did actually at one stage top myself up with the epidural, like another five milligrams or something. I think the epidurals these days aren't as... I don't think they're as numbing as they were in like my mom's generation, for example. Like she said, she couldn't feel anything. But when I was asking about it, they were like, yeah, it's, I'm going to say like 20 milligrams or whatever that they give you. And then you can only, it wears off over time. So you can top up five milligrams an hour or something like that. Okay. It's far more controlled, it sounds like. Yeah. So I did top up um, once towards the back end. But anyway, so I got the epidural at half two and I was, let's just call it one centimeter. And then at half four, I loved my midwives. We had this student midwife and an amazing midwife called Anna. She was so nice. And we just got chatting about sea swimming. And I was on my gas and air, had the epidural. With my LucasAid sport, I was like, this is great. My husband was there. And yeah, I basically just rang him at half one when I was told go over to the labor ward. So he was, he was, he was going to be in it too anyway. So that was fine. Um, And yeah, so then at half four, they checked me and she was like, you're nine centimeters. And I was like, oh, it was, it was such a shock. I, I thought that it was going to be, after such a long wait, I just thought it was good. I didn't even know if I would have my baby that calendar day. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Thank God. Like, and my, my consultant basically was always like, once it kicks off for you, it will be fast. But I don't know why, she, but she was right. Um, so that was a real lift. So that was half four. And um, I think I'm missing something there just before that. Hmm. It'll come back to me. So yeah, nine, nine centimeters at half four. And then I could definitely feel myself going into transition because I kind of got, got really hot and bothered, a bit like nauseous. And, I, and also I was beginning to be like, okay, this actually is happening like soon. <laughs> like <laughs> I actually need to birth this baby now. And um, oh, sorry, I've remembered. So when I got the epidural, they obviously 
hook you up. Well, sorry, they have a trace on you. The baby didn't react great initially to the epidural. The heartbeat was kind of a bit erratic. It was going quite low and then going quite high. And I couldn't help but keep looking at the monitor. Um, and there was two monitors, the baby heartbeat, heartbeat. And also they had this sort of graph that could show the contractions coming and going, which was very cool. Kind of like, um, what would, you know, an earthquake monitor. So it's funny because I would see that, but I'd also feel it. So um, that kind of helped me at the pushing stage because I'd be looking going, I'm going to, I'm going to push on this contraction or whatever. And you'd see them kind of building up. And so I found those monitors cool, but yeah, so the heartbeat started going a bit crazy for, I'm going to say the first 20 minutes. And I was, I was a bit spooked by that. The little one just totally settled into it. And then she was doing really well, really, really strong heartbeat then. From, so that was great. That was a bit of relief. And um, because at this stage I was like, okay, there's meconium, like, you know, but anyway, got into it. It was all good. Feeling very relaxed then until the transition. And then just got a little bit more gas and air, sprayed myself with all my lavenders and, um, and kind of calmed down and they said okay at six six o'clock you're fully dilated and but we're just going to let the baby come down a little bit further itself and at half six we'll start pushing so yeah I think that was the plan my consultant had come in briefly but she was around she was hovering in the hospital and that was fine so um it might have been a little after half six I did a practice push and yeah, it's just a weird thing, isn't it? It's like you have to fully relax, but you're also bearing down. So it's like rubbing your tummy and patting your belly, which I've always been really bad at. <laughs> so yeah, at around seven, I think we started. I'd done my one practice push and I was like, oh, I don't think I'm particularly good at this. We'll have to give it my best shot. And um, so seven started pushing and it kind of seemed like every second contraction was very strong and the next one was a bit milder. So I was kind of skipping the mild ones and giving myself an extra chance to like catch my breath and like compose, go again. Um, and yeah, so my husband said it was, it was just kind of hard to watch me pushing so hard and then be t- like, I'd be pushing, I'd be completely like purple in the face like bursting blood vessels and then like they'd be like push again and like it's like I can't go anymore. I can't push it hard yeah yeah <laughs> you know um but it was fine like it was it wasn't like it, yeah I was going through it and then I'd say after after maybe it didn't seem like that long but it, it was a full kind of I suppose half an hour if not a little bit more that I was pushing halfway through my consultant came in and that was fine but then they both my consultant and the midwife had to kind of help my legs like pull them slightly wider and slightly pull them toward me while I was trying to like bear down all that so a couple more of those big pushes and they were like heads heads coming at this stage the midwife had predicted it was a baby girl because after the little fetal kind of upset and how well the baby recovered. They were like, baby, baby girls labor really well. I think this is a girl. And um, so I was like, oh my God. But anyway, didn't know. And um, head had come out. My husband was like, not that he wanted to look, but he couldn't look away. So he was like seeing the head and then they were like, put your hand down. I was like, 
I just need to do what I'm doing. I'm not going to distract myself with that. So um, a couple more pushes and yeah, she was out. Um, it was amazing, but also kind of traumatic. So um, out she came covered in her own little poo. Um, so kind of like a caramel color. And um, I just saw the little face uh, even covered in whatever. And I was so in love. I was such a beautiful little baby. And uh, there's so much going on that they were like, do you know what it is? Um, Paul thought it was a girl, but he was like, I'm not sure. And then they all just kind of chorused, it's a girl. And oh, my God, we were just smiling, crying like it was euphoric. But obviously the pediatrician team bolted in then. So they brought her over to the little like monitor at the side. And this was just a happened to be a really unlucky thing that happened. The light that you turn on blew a fuse. So a big spark and bang went off with my baby lying on the table. They had to like something had gone wrong with that, like a literally a light bulb on the table or at the top of the table. So they had to bring her into a, a different labor room next door to do all the checks so at this stage my husband went in with her um, and I was with my consultant getting like stitched up so I did have um I think she said I had a, a second degree tear and a graze second tear is just muscle so it wasn't that bad and I'd done it without anything so I was yeah yeah so happy so absolutely delighted with that and um, so yeah anyway so baby was next door and I was again just so lucky at that stage that I was with my consultant who I knew so well because I hadn't even held held her and mm. um, that was tough but like you are a bit like out of it at that stage like you're kind of shaking you're, the adrenaline's going crazy I obviously have to like keep my legs in a certain way because I'm getting stitched so um yeah I was just dying to like find out what was going on but the pediatrician team were really good. They kept coming in and kind of being like, she's actually, she's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're just doing this and that. My husband hadn't come back in. So I was like, what is actually going on? Like out there, but there's no need to hit for him to be with me either at that stage. And um, not most pleasant, but um, yeah. So then event. So the latest was they were like, look, she's doing okay. But um, her heart, her vitals or that Edgar they do isn't where we'd like it to be at the moment so she might have to spend the night in the NICU and I was just like oh I was just a bit like it is what it is and it's amazing in there so you're obviously you don't want to take your baby if it's not going to be okay um but I was a bit like I haven't held her she's not here and she might have to go mm. but then they brought her into me they were like it's important that you hold her and we'll just see so they had the monitor still on her so I finally got to hold her oh my god it was just yeah absolutely magical and they had a little monitor on her and I think the numbers I think it was out of 100 whatever they were monitoring but she was on she'd gone up like I don't know she was on quite a low number when they started doing it and testing her for everything and she was kind of spitting up all the meconium it was quite like phlegmy with little brown in it um so that was nice but yeah she she went from like 80 and in my arm, she just went all the way up to like 98. And they were like, you can keep her. <laughs> we wanted to take her. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. But then it's literally like 9 p.m. And you're like, I'm out of it. And then I'm like, 
going back to the ward with my baby like it's kind of mad um so that's so cool that that, that happened yeah it's lovely you knew that mm. is it mama and at that stage my husband kind of filled me in so my lovely midwives left then and I had another midwife and she was like are you breastfeeding and I was like I am but there was just this weird thing that came over me I was like she's just been through so much she had tubes down her throat I was like I just I'm not going to do it right now she's just settling in my arms I just want to hold her so they were like well do you have any colostrum and I was like yes (laughs) like freaking five weeks of it at home but I can just draw some now so they just gave me a syringe and I literally just did a couple of colostrums amazing the midwife fed um Charlotte we we knew we were going to call her Charlotte so we named her and we had the two the two names ready to go and so that was great and um I ate my tea and toast but it, I'm a bit fussy on my tea and toast and <laughs> it's gone a little cold by the time I was eating it but it was good to have it um and she fed Charlotte the colostrum syringes and said that she thought she had a really good suckle so I was kind of there's just like this random mother's instinct that I kicked in instantly that I was like, I'm not going to make this ordeal of my baby who's just had tubes down the throat and is coughing up phlegm and stuff. But I kind of knew it would be okay. So we actually didn't have our first feed until the middle of the night, maybe like 2 a.m. we were on the ward. But it worked out perfectly. Like she was straight on. No no need to even kind of arrange her. It was mad. Mm. Um so I, I in a much calmer environment as well. Yeah, those are just people kind of hovering, and like the pediatrician teams are still around, obviously making sure that her little vital state as they were, and they were like, "Yeah, you can keep her." And um, so, yeah, my husband just went and got me my bags, and I didn't I had to share with one lady, so they didn't have a fully private room, which was fine. But when you have multiple babies in a room, like Charlotte was fine, but the other baby was kind of kicking off, so it's like it doesn't matter. But like no sleep is had, obviously. And you're just there with your little baby. And it's just like, are they alive? Like she was mm. definitely really mucusy from the meconium for that first night. Um, but yeah, I think I just took her, took her, like she slept really well as well. I think it's funny when you have your baby. I had her, I had her at eight, around 8 p.m., so 7.44. And I think you have an easier stint when you have your baby in the evening because they're really tired <laughs> from being birthed. And they basically sleep that night. Whereas if you have your baby really early, the whole kind of day to kind of get through. But um, yeah, she basically just slept. I just watched her sleeping. And then at the wee hours in the morning, took her in and she fed. Well, I, like you don't know if she's feeding right. So you're kind of had to ring the bell and say, do you mind just checking if you think she's latched okay? Um, but always, always well. And she's been a great little feeder since. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's worked out very well. How did you, when did you go home? So I stayed in that night and then I stayed in one more night. And so, yeah, one more. So I left on the Friday at lunchtime. And the reason being, they're amazing in there. But if you're not, if you're not in bits, I feel like they kind of leave you to it. And I, I wasn't in bits, but like middle of the day the following day like my lower half had been run over by a truck I was really struggling Mm. to stand up and sit down and do anything so obviously my husband was allowed in from 2 p.m so he was kind of helping me um and bonding with the baby 
which was nice. But I just kind of felt I just need to get home. And they were about the, the third night. Had I stayed, I would have got a private room. But I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just want to be at home with my family now. And um, so, yeah, the first the first day definitely was bad. I don't think that diphene is really enough for <laughs> for the pain. Um, they did give me something else, though some sort of form of morphine to treat that afternoon just one dose of something I finally felt like okay it's just hard in those beds as well like there's so much pressure on your pelvis and your tailbone yeah like as soon as I got back to the ward that the night I had her the midwife was like do you want to shower and I was like well yeah like I feel really really like gross it was like 20 something degrees the day I had her I was sweating and but my legs were so shaky when I did have a shower and it is a little bit harrowing when you go to like the bathroom or have a shower you're like oh my god it's Mm. like a bit of a good bath but it was it was just nice to have to have that shower that night and so when my husband was in I was obviously just availing of him being there so I could wash my hair and all that stuff but yeah I just wanted to go home so my milk came in very quickly probably because of all the colostrum that I'd been drawing but um it was the second night that that happened and I just would not put her down like our second night in the hospital I was just it was just blissful just holding her and all we were just like spooning and like just Mm -hmm. so small she was very little um, and it was really nice so the following day they had to do the pediatrician test to discharge her and I was a complete basket case you know obviously they like just doing everything to make sure the reflexes are right and everything but I was howling crying like I think it's because the milk had come in the pediatrician the pediatric doctor was like you're making me feel really bad about my job and I was like I'm sorry I'm sorry they said that to you just watching my little daughter getting like I don't need well, to... it, it looks like they manhandle them, but they obviously don't. But it's just, it's really hard to watch. It was so hard to watch. I was like, so then for the for the first couple of weeks with the heel pricks and stuff, I kind of just handed her over to players. Like I can't do this. Yeah, I was. It's it's actually incredible the hormones and like with the breastfeeding, I feel like I'm still so symbiotically linked to her. Like if mm. she's ever crying, it actually turns my skin. Like I yeah. can't, it's, it's incredible. The, the mother baby bond, but um, in all the best ways, but also, you know, in hard ways, like we're never going to yeah sleep a night really again <laughs> without worrying about them. But um, yeah, no. So that was, it was all very well. She did really well after the slight blip for the first half an hour, but it's funny. Um, I find it asking my husband what went on in the room next door and he was like yeah it was pretty bad like she was on her tummy and she was like heaving trying to breathe and like she couldn't and they had the tubes in and stuff I was like I'm so glad I didn't see that yeah yeah um, yeah because uh, yeah. yeah sure what you would have well I suppose they would have been around her so you might not have seen it in the room but you would have yeah, yeah. Being a bit more aware of the ordeal whereas he's so calm so it was good that he was with her and I wasn't <laughs> But yeah. So you're still breastfeeding now. How's that going? Breastfeeding is going really well. Um, except for when it came to us having to leave her for a couple of nights and we realized she'd decided she didn't take bottles anymore. So 
She went on a full 20 hours starving one time, the one night we left her. Um, and she was, I ended up having to put her on purees a little early, five and a half months, because oh, yeah. not that puree is what they have, but I was like, she's literally going on a bottle strike. The little one is so smart. She almost knew something was that I wasn't going to be there. And she, so we'd always given her an express bottle when I'd miss a feed, but mm. admittedly, feeding was so convenient there's often times where I'd message my husband I'd be like I'll actually be home in five minutes just don't feed her that bottle I left like I'll be back and somewhere between four and five months she just decided not don't want those bottles I know where the good stuff comes from and she just started not taking them at all and so it's pretty stressful she did actually go 20 full hours without a bottle and for my mom my poor mom and then she broke and now she kind of takes them or leaves them. She's not, I, I think some babies don't love bottles. She's kind of taking her water now. She's good on solids and we we do four feeds. We would have done six when I wasn't feeding her anything else and now she's down to four. But slowly but surely weaning her off, which is sad. It's um, when you come towards towards the end, you're like, oh my God, this is so precious. And you never know if you're going to have that again. So um, no, it's it has been lovely though. Jill, thank you so much for sharing your story. Again, there's so many aspects of your story. I think in particular how uncomfortable some of us can be at the final stages of our pregnancy. I know all of us want to meet our baby, but for some of us, it can be a real struggle waiting that little bit longer or even just waiting in general. So thank you so much. Thanks for all you do with the podcast, because I do think it's a a really good resource for pregnant people, particularly in lockdown. Like it was amazing. Over on Patreon, I have recorded a little piece on how I felt in the final stages of Eva's pregnancy. I really, really struggled. So I could definitely relate to how Jill felt as well. So I will leave the link in the show notes if you want to sign up to Patreon to hear that. And that's something that I'm going to be doing on a more consistent basis. So not about my experiences, but snippets of the episodes that I have removed. So if you'd like to share your story, you know what to do. Get in touch over at the website or send me a DM on Instagram. Have a good week. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.